the third of the Aseres Hadibros is Losisa Eshem Hashem Elokecha Lashav. Do not take the name of Hashem, your God, in vain. The Rambam, the Sefer Achinuch, and many others explain that the primary expression of this Dibra is taking what's known as a Shvua Shav, a useless Shvua, an oath which is basically pointless. And the Rambam and others explain that there's basically four classic examples or ways <coughs> in which one can violate this prohibition. Number one would be to take a shvua, to take an oath that contradicts a clearly known fact. You see a piece of marble and you take an oath that it's actually gold. That's just a completely pointless statement. Everyone sees it's marble. Number two, to take a shvua, to take an oath that verifies and confirms a clearly known fact. You don't need a shvua to tell me that a stone is a stone, or the sky is the sky. It's just a wasted oath. Number three is, if you would take a shvua to violate any mitzvah. And that's also considered in vain, because it also is pointless, because it doesn't accomplish anything. Because a shvua cannot uh, take effect if it contravenes any mitzvah in the Torah, since, as Chazal explained, that we are all already nishba of Omed. At the moment of Har Sinai, when we accepted the Torah as a nation, we all became bound by the oath to keep the Torah, and that prior pre-existing Shvua, that oath will always precede any subsequent oath that you would make to violate the Torah, and therefore any oath that would force you ostensibly to violate the Torah is also pointless and ineffective. And last but not least, the fourth example of a Shvua Shav is if you take an oath to do something that you obviously uh, cannot do. Simply impossible. For example, uh, if you took an oath not to sleep for three straight days, which according to Chazal is something that's physically impossible, or not to eat for a whole week, or something like that. So also, just it's pointless and irrelevant, and therefore you've taken God's name in vain if you take an oath with Hashem's name in any of these four uh, ways. There is a very interesting machlokes rishonim, whether this prohibition, which primarily takes place in the context of a Shavua, does that relate to, or does it apply to generally mentioning Hashem's name for no purpose, even without the context of the oath? The Ramban, Rabbein Bachaye and others, actually think that it does. And the Ramban points out, here in his commentary in Parshas Yisro, that the Pesach does not say Lo Sishba, it says Lo Tisa. So why didn't it just say Lo Tishba if all it was talking about was an oath? Rather, what does that mean, Lotisa? It means don't mention Hashem's name without any reason in any context. Primarily, one would typically use it in the, in the form or the context of a, of a Shavuah, but using it in any context unnecessarily is a consideration of, an, of these, this Isser de Oraisa. However, other Rishonim disagree, and they point to a Gemara in Masechet Tumura and Daftalid, which implies that it's prohibited to mention God's name in vain, in you know, just stam in a random context, but it's actually not a violation of the Ten Commandments. It's not a violation of Losisa. Rather, it would be a violation of the commandment to fear Hashem. It would be a bittel of the mitzvah to fear Hashem. And this is, among others, the psak of the Rambam in Perakyud Bed of The Rambam says if you would just randomly mention Hashem's name for no purpose, even if it's not in the context of a shvua, that's an Avera, an Avera even Daraisa, but nothing to do with the Ten Commandments, nothing to do with Losisa, rather a prohibition of fearing Hashem. A third possible context where this is discussed 
on the level of a Doraisa, is a discussion about bracha levatala. Taking Shem Shemayim Lashav, as the Gemara calls it in Masech, the brachos on Daf Lamed Gimel. If a person would make a bracha unnecessarily, is that a, you say you've used Hashem's name, and it's an unnecessary bracha, unnecessary reference to Hashem's name, is that a violation of the biblical prohibition of Lotisa? So the Gemara, at face value, the simple reading of the Gemara there on Daf Lamed Gimel and brachos, implies that it actually is a biblical violation, part of lo, the Isra Daraisa of Losisa. And the simple reading of the Rambam, both in Hilchos Shvuos and in Hilchos Brachos, is that the Rambam also paskins that a bracha levatala, a complete unnecessary bracha, would be an Isra Daraisa of taking Hashem's name in vain. However, many other Rishonim dispute this, Tosvos, the Ritva, the Rosh, they all dispute it, and they all say that a bracha said with Hashem's name unnecessarily is a prohibition, but only a rabbinic prohibition, but if you thought that you needed to make a bracha, and it turns out that it was unnecessary, it was in vain, so then that couldn't be considered a actual biblical daraisa violation of Losisa. Uh, in, in the Achronim, there's a discussion if that's really the Rambam Shita or not, uh, but many think it is, the Shachan perhaps Shita, and uh, it's worth noting, uh, beyond the scope of this little shear, uh, but uh, you do find a, an interesting machlokes, even in the poskim, and often, at least it's been my impression, that Sephardi poskim in the world of brachos are often more uh, machmir on the question of suffolk brachos lahakel, and they're often more lenient in not requiring a bracha in any case of doubt, because I think out of deference to this shita that they may be very sensitive to, that maybe any case of doubt, you're playing with a daraisa, according to the Rambam perhaps, uh, if that's correct, that the Rambam holds it, it's an iser daraisa. So we have one definite primary expression of this dibra, not to take an oath, completely a pointless oath for ways of taking such a shavuah shav, a pointless oath that everyone agrees is included, the primary expression of this dibra. And then we have debates about two other expressions. Number one was, if you stam randomly mention Hashem's name for no reason, in, out of complete context, like nothing to do with a shavuah, and the question of a bracha levatala. Whatever the Daraisa includes, what is important to note is the severity of this particular prohibition. The Pasuk itself, we started the Pasuk, but the Pasuk itself, we didn't finish it. The Pasuk continues, Lo Hashem es asher yisa es shmolashav. That Hashem will never forgive someone who takes his name in vain. Quite a striking statement. It's just staring there right in the Pasuk. And the Gemara in Shavuos, Andaf Lamates, and others point out that in fact, Back in the time of the Sanhedrin and the Bezdin, uh, before someone would take a shvua in court, the Bezdin would warn that person that the entire world, Shemayim Varetz, shook and trembled at fe- with fear at the moment that the third Dibra was given at Harsinai. And to prove this point, the Beitin would say to the, the litigants, you should know that other sins can be forgiven, and then quote our Pasuk, but Losisa, as the Pasuk itself says, can never be forgiven, so you better be sure you're telling the truth when you're about to take this oath. That's the kind of fear and the warning that the court would give a person before taking an oath. So this Pasuk is considered quite serious and taken quite literally, that it's very hard, if not impossible, to get forgiven. The Rambam actually points out, and Hilchos Shavuos Andaf uh, excuse me, in, in Perak uh, Yudbeis, Halacha Aleph, that even if a person got punished, even if a punishment made even with Malkos or other such things, it doesn't matter, you can never be totally forgiven or cleansed uh, from this sin in this world because there's an element of Chil Hashem there. Uh, 
The Mishnah Perkeyavos in the fifth Perek includes the, among the punishments of taking Hashem's name in vain, Chayera Bal Yolam. Deadly wild animals will come because of this. The Gemara Shabbos, Taflamid Gimel, says many catastrophes will come, not only the wild animals, but the violent attack of your enemies, plague, famine, all sorts of terrible, terrible things can happen and come if you uh, violate this Avera. And the question is why? Why is it so, so bad? The Torah itself saying you can't get forgiven all these other over-the-top kind of punishments. So, let's say for Achinoch here, as well as the Ibn Ezra, and specifically talking about when you take an oath, a pointless oath, so they basically say, listen, when you take a Shavua and use Hashem's name, basically what you're saying is, believe me, believe what I'm saying, my word is as true as Hashem Himself. So if you take a frivolous, pointless Shavua, you know, denying something that's obviously true, confirming something that's obviously true, they're both pointless Shavuas, that shows a certain contempt, a certain frivolity with Hashem's name, and that is the sin. The Abarbanel as well elaborates on this point and says the bottom line is you have to view Hashem and His name with great awe and trepidation. And this is the opposite. If you just take if you take a shvu of a shav or mention Hashem's name for no reason, you're showing a frivolous disregard for Kavod Shemayim. And as we saw from the Rambam previously, to violate it is a violation, if not only in this pasuk, but broadly of a lack of Yiras Shemayim. Eben Ezra adds a second point, that not only is it a, a frivolity with the awe and reverence we should show towards Hashem, but it's also very, very severe because the nature of it is that once you get into the habit of doing it, it's so easy that it could become something that you just do every day. Eben Ezra even says remarkably, things like murder or adultery, I mean, how often can you do those, as bad as they are, but you're not going to do those every day, it's just not realistic. But if you get into the habit of saying, taking Hashem's name for no reason, that can roll off the tongue you know, all the time. And I think we all know people. I know people who, all sorts of reasons for every reason, for no, and for no good reason. Oh my gosh! Oh my God! You know, it just, it rolls off the tongue so quickly. And it's just a bad habit to get into. And it's very easy to get into that habit if we are not careful with how we use Hashem's name. So the bottom line is, in terms of severity, are two issues. Number one is the most important one, the lack of seriousness and awe that we should have when we mention Hashem's name, which represents His essence, the frivolity with Kod Shamayim. And number two is the fact that we don't appreciate how easy things come off, uh, roll off the tongue, and that once we get into the habit of frivolous speech, it's very, very hard to break it. It could become something that becomes regularly part of who we are. Last but not least, I'll just mention an incredible, incredible teaching from the Psikta Rabasi. And I think Chazal are addressing something which is very relevant for us, which is the fact that you know, we're not taking oaths. You know, when's the last time anyone took an oath with Hashem's name, without Hashem's name? We're not taking Hashem's name in vain in general, not with oaths. How much is this really relevant to us, you might ask? So the answer is, it might be even in its more literal sense, but certainly the Psikta Rabasi more broadly explains that what does that mean, Losisa Shem Hashem? Don't carry Hashem's name, Lashav, in vain. How do you carry Hashem's name? That's what Losisa literally means. So he's, the Medrash explains, do not carry Hashem's name in the sense of setting yourself up, acting as if you are Hashem's representative. Acting as if you are an authority, if in fact you are not worthy. If you act all from, and make public displays of piety, Medrash gives an example Back in the day when people used to wear tefillin all the time, you look like a man of God. You know, we might say a big yarmulke or tzitzis out or some other distinguishable uh, and noticeable sign of being a religious Jew, especially if, even within the community, if you do things that are generally assumed to show you more religious or very religious, you do all that, but then you don't live up to that. Then you are carrying Hashem's name, 
in an unworthy way. That's carrying Hashem's name in vain. And that is something that is a very, very serious way. And that is something that we, I think, unfortunately, can all relate to, and hopefully something that we can all work on, that if we carry Hashem's name, and we should be proud to carry Hashem's name to be His banner, it better not be Lashava, it better not be in vain. The more we're identified with being religious, the more we have to live up to that standard. The fourth Dibra is the mitzvah of Shabbos. Zohar es Yom HaShabbos Lakadsho. And the very fact that it's the fourth is explained by the Ramban uh, in a very beautiful and subtle way. He points out that the first three Dibros are the composite, in a certain short way, the composite of our requirement to believe in Hashem. Specifically, his existence, to direct our faith only towards him, not to take him lightly. And after those three more abstract beliefs, with a little bit of a command in last in the previous Dibra of Losisa, but basically abstract intellectual ones, then comes the fourth Dibra, where we are commanded to keep Shabbos, which is a concrete and vivid sign of these beliefs. Zecher Lamasa Bereshis, Zecher Lebriyasa Olam, it's where we give a testament testimony that we believe that Hashem is the creator, the Boreolam, and not only the Boreolam, but the one who's the Manhig, the Olam, uh, who leads the world and is involved, which is demonstrated so dramatically with our story of Yitzias Mitzrayim. Uh, specifically, we speak about Zohar Yom HaShav's Lekadsho, uh, the Gemara in Psachim, in Arve Psachim, Dav Kuf Vav, and the Rambam, and Shachan Paskins this way, tell us that this is the basis of the Mitzvah Da'araisa to remember Shabbos on Friday night. This is an allusion to the Chiv to make Kiddush, and the Gemara understands that it means at the beginning of Shabbos, meaning the Friday night Kiddush at the outset, the beginning of Shabbos, we acknowledge, we remember Shabbos, Zachor, we remember it, we acknowledge it when we make Kiddush. The Rambam actually has a very interesting shita. The Rambam holds that we are remembering or setting aside or designating Shabbos, not only by saying Kiddush on Friday night, but according to the Rambam, part of the mitzvah darai says also Havdalah at the end of Shabbos. The Rambam thinks that by bookending Shabbos on Friday night, separating it from the Yom HaShishi, the sixth day of the week, and on Motzei Shabbos, separating it from the first day of the next week, that is the composite of the mitzvah of Zechira in that sense. Not everyone agrees with that. Many others hold that Havdalah is only rabbinic, the Rabbanon, but that is an interesting shita of the Rambam. So the first and most primary way we remember Shabbos and fulfill this mitzvah of this fourth Dibra is by making Kiddush on Friday night. Chazal teaches so that there are other additional ways to remember Shabbos. For example, the Mechilta talks about dressing nicely, dressing in a special way for Shabbos. What defines nice, what defines special, so that will obviously vary from society to society, place to place, from decade and century and time to time, but whatever is considered nice uh, in whatever culture you live in, the Mechotah says you're supposed to dress nicely for Shabbos. Secondly, Chazal also tell us that one element or one dimension of Zohor is that Shabbos should be the focal point of all of our activities. Until now, whether it's Kiddush or the dressing nicely, we were talking about how you remember Shabbos on Shabbos. However, Chazal also talk about Shabbos, Zachor, excuse me, being the focal point of all of our activities throughout the week. And here Chazal give two examples, one in the Gemara Beitzah, one in the Mechilta, and you can find both of these in different interpretations in the Mefarshim on our Parsha, on the Asar Sadibros in Yisro, between Rashi, Yabanezar, Ramban, you can find different 
interpretations of the Psukim, but are really drawing on these two sources, which are two different reflections of this idea of Shabbos as a focal point. Namely, the Gemara Beitza and other sources talk about Shammai Azakein, how throughout the week, whenever he would find a good piece of meat, a good food, he would say, oh, I'll keep this for Shabbos. And then if the next day or the day afterwards he found an even nicer piece of meat, he'd say, okay, I'll eat the first one, and now the second will be for Shabbos. The point is that throughout the week, the whole week, he's thinking about Shabbos, thinking about Shabbos, it's the focal point of his week, and whatever the best and choicest food he finds, right away he sets that you know, apart for Shabbos, thinking about Shabbos already in the beginning of the week or the middle of the week, throughout the time to be talking about uh, and thinking about a Shabbos. A second expression of this similar idea of Shabbos being the focal point, Mechilta tells us, is that we count all of our days in relation to Shabbos. And the Ramban, uh, not exclusively, but very famously, it's the Ramban who elaborates on this point and says that all the other nations of the world, they see each of the seven days as an independent unit, as an independent power or koach. So Sunday was for the sun, and Monday was for the moon, etc., etc. As opposed to in Judaism, we don't have independent names, but rather it's Yom Harishon, Yom Sheni, Yom Shlishi, Yom Revi'i, Yom Rishon, etc. One, two, three, four, five, all leading up to Shabbos. That is to say, we count, it's the first day, second day, all culminating in Shabbos, as a way of showing that Shabbos is the focal point of our activities, and everything is a count up to Shabbos. Now we start over again, and a count up, to Shabbos. So whether it's in this idea of the food or the counting of the days, or the way we refer to the days, strictly speaking, we should refer to everything as Yom Rishon, Sheni, etc., because that is, in a certain sense, a fulfillment of a mitzvah daraisa of Zechira Shabbos, even in the middle of the week. One of the things that's most famous about this fourth Dibra is that it's Zohar Shabbos Shabbos Lakadsho in Parshas Yisro, however, we know that the Dibros are also repeated in Dvarim in Parshas Ve'eschanan, and there, instead of saying Zohar is Yom HaShabbos, it's Vishamor. Instead of Zohar to remember, it's Vishamor to guard. What is the difference between Zohar and Shamor? So the Ramban and others explain that it is that Zohar, as we alluded to, is the Mitzvah Asay of Shabbos, like Kiddush, remember it in a positive way. Shamor, to guard or protect, is not to violate it. Sanctity is the Lotase, not to do Malacha, not to do work. Uh, very famously, the Gemara Shavuos and the Mechilta tell us that even though we read them at two separate parshios, but at the time of Sinai, there was only Matan Torah once, there was only Har Sinai once. And Zohar v'Shamor, B'dibor Echad Nemra. They were both given at the exact same time. They were simultaneously uttered, they were simultaneously uh, articulated, B'dibor Echad, Zohar and Shamor. No human being could say two things at once, and... No, two, human beings can't hear things at once, but Akash Baruch was able to express them both at once, and there's even a halachic uh, nafkamina of that, uh, because the Gemara tells us that women are obligated in Kiddush, like men, even though we would have thought, logically, that women would be exempt from the mitzvah of Zechiris Shabbos, because after all, it's a mitzvah, it's a positive time-bound mitzvah, nevertheless, because Shabbos is indivisible, says the Gemara, Kosh Yeshno Bishmira, excuse me, Yeshno B'Zechira, anyone who's included in the Lotase, and women can't do work. We know that women are equal to men when it comes to the lotases. All the lotases, all the negative precepts are equally applicable to men and women. So once women are included in the negative of Shabbos, they're not doing malacha. So Mimela says the Gemara, they have to be included equally in the mitzvahs asay as well. On a deeper level, the Maral explains in a remarkable passage in the Gurariya in Dvarim, in Parshas Veschanan, that it's not just that uh, there is a reminder uh, that we have this idea of Zachor and Shamor, but rather the idea is that we want to infuse Shabbos with meaning. He explains that if we just had Shamor by itself, by not doing Malacha, resting could be for any reason. Resting per se does not make Shabbos. 
resting, with, on the other hand, excuse me, just doing Kiddush, just doing the Zechira, just doing the positive mitzvahs of Shabbos, all the nice things of Shabbos, eating cholentin, potato kugel, uh, that's also meaningless if you're treating the day otherwise as a weekday, as you're doing malacha while you're having Kiddush. That is also not meaningful. Rather, says Maral, so beautifully elaborating in a more de- you know, in-depth spiritual, philosophical explanation of the Gemara, what the Gemara is telling us is for the experience of Shabbos to be truly, truly meaningful, it has to be completely holistic. You need both the Zohar and the Shamor. We need the Shamor to create the environment, to protect, to keep out the quote-unquote weekday activities. But then once, if you can't just keep, the, you know, you, ch- you can't just play defense. You also have to play offense. You can't just keep out the bad stuff, so to speak. And not there's anything wrong with work during the week. There are Makoros that say from the, the Apostle in Vayisro that Sheshis Yamim Tavod is a mitzvah also. You must work for the six days. But on Shabbos, we don't want to work. On Shabbos, we want to push that off to the side. But it's not enough to just not work. That's meaningless. Rather, by creating the space uh, of not working, then we need to infuse that space with meaning that is Zachor. And I think it's a very, very beautiful idea. And he adds, says the Gurari, if that's the case, if they're both Bedibor Echad, Yeshno, Yeshno, well, how come if you had to have both, why does Zachor in the first Dibros, why is Zachor in Yisro, and we only get to uh, Shamor in Veschanan? So he says clearly, because Zohar is actually the Iker. The main thing is the Zohar. The main thing are the mitzvahs to add meaning. But again, don't think as so often in history people have been seduced and tempted into thinking, well, as long as I do the mitzvahs, I make kiddush, have a Friday night dinner, it doesn't matter if I also do malacha. That is really, really a mistake. You need both. But yes, it's true that the Iker is not the rest. The Iker is what you do with the rest, and that is the Zohar. Last but not least, there is a third dimension. Not only is it Shamor, not only is it Zachor, but it's also Likad Show. There's an element of Kedusha in the mitzvah of Shabbos. And specifically, the uh, Gemara, excuse me, the Medrash in Barashas Rabbah tells us something remarkable. It says that the first six days of the week can really be divided up into three sets of pairs. Yom Rishon and Sheni, Shlishi and Ravi, Hamishi and Shishi. The first six days, so to speak, were a Shidduch, were a couple. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? Each one had a, a mate, as it were. And the Medrash says the Shabbos complained to Hashem that it's alone. It's the odd number. Sunday has Monday, Monday has Tuesday, Wednesday has, etc. They, Sunday and Monday have each other, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, you know, Yom Rishon and Shani, etc. Shabbos is all alone. So Akash Baruch says, don't worry. I will give you the Jewish people. They will be your mate. In fact, the Maharsha and Baba Kama says that when we make Kiddush, that's the Maise Kedushin, the Hariat Mekudeshetli, so to speak. Uh, the proposal, if you will, every week we renew the vows, if you will, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, through the mechanism of Shabbos. Shabbos is the way we are Mekudeshes, if you will, to Hashem. There's a marriage between the Jewish people uh, and uh, Shabbos as a way of bringing us closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And to give you one last idea on this vein, something so, so beautiful uh, that makes this point, I want to share with you a beautiful idea in the name of the Chavetz Chaim. It's quoted in a few places. I, I've seen it. Uh, I first saw this in a remarkable small work of Musr and Machshava called the Atara Lamelech, which is a collection of the speeches or writings of Rav Pam Zatzal. There on page 7 and 8, he quotes his idea from the Chavetz Chaim, but you can find it in other sources. That the Chavetz Chaim addressed the popular and beautiful, beautiful uh, Shabbos Zemer of Kol Makadesh Shivi. In that song, we say, anyone who sanctifies the seventh day, Karoilo, appropriately, anyone who accepts Shabbos, observes Shabbos, Kados, correctly, Machalolo, nevertheless has, you know, been Machalol Shabbos, has betrayed Shabbos. 
What does that mean? And then we continue and say, Scharo Harbe Ma'od gets a lot of reward, Al Pipolo, based on how much he did. How do you make sense of the song? It's beautiful when we sing it, but do we pay attention to the words? So the Chavetz Chaim said, there's a treasure, a beautiful, profound treasure hidden in these words. What we're telling us is that in fact, it's not enough just to be a Shomer Shabbos, whether that means Shmir or Zachir. It's not enough to just do the mitzvos. The Lakad show that we just mentioned in the Pasuk has a third dimension. A person could observe both Zachor and Shamor do all the mitzvos, not do any of the malachos, but if you do it in a perfunctory manner, absent any serious spiritual striving, absent any spiritual mindfulness, absent any dveikus, any inspiration, absent any dveikus, so then you've missed the whole point. Lakadcho requires a higher level of connecting and sanctifying to the day. And with this, the Chavetz Chaim explained the Zemer. What does that mean? You kept Shabbos halachically, and that is as if you were Machal Shabbos? That's the person who kept the halachos. He wasn't driving on Shabbos or anything like that. He kept the halachos, but he didn't do it with his heart. That's called Machalalo. On the other hand, as it's appropriate, as it's fitting, he does it in the most spiritual and uplifting way. It's really a meaningful experience to him. Then, then he'll get a lot of schar, which implies that even if you're on the, low, the lower level, yes, you do get some schar, but not harbe ma'od. As we say at the end of the stanza, each one according to his measure. The guy who's merely Shomer Shabbos Kadas, it's not going to get the full measure of schar, because on some level he was mechalalo. But the person who is, in fact, kol mekadeh shivi karo'ilo, that's a person who doesn't just keep the mitzvot, doesn't just avoid the malacha, but in fact adds a measure of sanctity and kedusha to his life, to her life, to her family's life, to his family's life. That is karo'ilo, and that is the one who's scharo harbe ma'od.